Jessica Tandy and Hume Cronin in The Marriage. With the conviction that marriage remains the most popular domestic arrangement between friendly people, NBC takes pleasure in presenting by transcription one of the most distinguished couples of the American theater, Jessica Tandy and Hume Cronin, as Liz and Ben Marriott in the love and laughter of the marriage. When I was in college, I put in a hard year with economics one and two. The course seemed to consist of complicated graphs with the annual output of cast-iron hinges plotted against the monthly rainfall in the Mississippi Valley. Somewhere along the line, the curve hit bottom, and that, we are told, was the operation of the business cycle, that unknown force that periodically slips a monkey wrench into the wheels of industry. I thought of that mysterious monkey wrench recently when trouble hit the firm of Connolly, Hochberg, Marriott, and Burns, However, the monkey ranch in this case was not quite as cosmic. Mr. Hochberg called me in one morning to tell me about it. Sit down, Ben. I drew the complaint on that Benson matter. I think they'll settle. Huh. They'd be fools to. We haven't got a leg to stand on. Oh, I don't know. You turned out a brilliant brief. Yes, yes, it is brilliant. Fine development of character. Sensitive prose. It would do very well in the Saturday Review of Literature. In the circuit court? Not so good. <laughs> Maybe we could get it reprinted in a pocket edition. <laughs> With Mrs. Benson on the cover? Hmm. Ben, I didn't call you in to talk about the Benson complaint. No? Ben, I am an old man. Actually, I've been an old man since I was 25. But uh, that's neither here nor there. My doctor says, Hogberg, liquor you can take. Women, tobacco, rich food. But aggravation? No. Something wrong, Mr. Hartford? Then we are splitting up the farm. What? You and Mr. Connolly? Why, you've worked together for years. Ben Connolly is a fine lawyer. He's a gentleman. He's a man of honesty and integrity. But he is also a stubborn mule. Oh. You had a difference of opinion? Oh, no, no. We agreed. We are in a... Absolute agreement. Well, then that's fine. Absolute agreement. Connolly said continuing our partnership would be the biggest mistake of my career. And I said, I agree. What started all this, Mr. Hogberg? You've always worked so well together. Then things have been said in a public elevator with the operator and four passengers, which should never even be said in the privacy of this room. You mean you quarreled? Basically, it was a personality clash. What about? Doesn't matter. It is immaterial and irrelevant. Well, now, maybe if you talked it over with Mr. Connolly. We have already I... talked it over at length. I have said my say, he has said his. Well, you could go with me now to his office. No. Well, you could ask him to come in here. No. How about my office? It's halfway. Halfway is too far. It's settled, then. We have no longer anything to discuss. But what are you going to do? When I was a young man, I was a violinist. Oh? Not a Heifetz or a Menuhin, but uh, not a wedding fiddler either. Then uh, I fell in love. My prospective father-in-law took one look at the violin case and had a heart attack. <laughs> he put me through law school. I have never regretted it. Mrs. Hochberg is a wonderful woman who is now on a second analyst. Wouldn't break my heart if I had some time to play again. Just for myself. I took the violin out last night and tuned it. 
Beautiful. You mean you'd retire from the law? Not exactly. I'd have a new firm. I brought you into this one, and we agreed you could always leave with me, if you want to. Why, of course, I do, if it comes to that. But isn't there some way... Don't waste your time, then. Of course, Connolly has all the contacts. I never learned how to play golf, and I don't like martinis, so the big clients would go with him. Yes, I suppose they would. American Foundry account... Cluett, Washburn, Hassett, and Clay. Don't add them up. Very depressing. We'd have a hard time for a year or two, Ben. But eventually we'd make out. Yeah, I suppose so. I told Connolly my children were grown up. I'm not an ambitious man. Don't threaten me, I said. I started defending pickpockets and chewing the streetcar companies. I can go back to it. Mr. Hochberg, they've replaced all the streetcars. Oh. <laughs> I can sue bus companies. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Hochberg, do you mind if I just speak to Mr. Connolly? Go ahead. Such an old friend. Like a part of me. So many years. But surely, as you feel that way about Mr. Connolly... Connolly! A violin! I found Mr. Connolly practicing 18-foot putts catty-corner across his office. I tried to get to the bottom of the quarrel with Hawkberg, but he seemed to feel the same way about it. The original point of difference, whatever it was, was buried beneath an exchange of invectives. I left Mr. Connolly making wedge shots over the desk into the waste paper basket. Somehow the news spread through the office like a virus, and I saw several of the stenographers and the mailroom boy looking through the help-wanted section in the Times. I took a look at my check stubs and decided not to add up the balance till I was feeling better. When I got home that night, I found the usual Marriott riot in progress. Please, you don't put ketchup in chicken soup. And why not? Mother! No ketchup! Ah! What's going on? Pete and Emily decided I needed a rest. They're cooking supper. Featuring ketchup consomme? Pete is a little imaginative. He wanted to try sardines and peanut butter. Ooh. Luckily, Emily is conservative. We're having scrambled eggs. Hey, that's too much salt. I like too much salt. We can go out for hamburgers later. Oh, Ben, they're trying very hard. Emily baked a sort of a pie. What is a sort of a pie? Well, it, it's round. Well, that's a good start. <laughs> oh. Something wrong? Headache. It's nothing, really. Really nothing. Oh, that's good. Oh, that suit came back from the cleaners. Had it all day, right here over my eyes. Did you take anything for it? We'll go away, don't worry. Oh, all right. They mended the pocket. Sort of a migraine or sinus. Well, let me get you an aspirin. No, don't bother, really. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe two aspirins. Hey, you're putting curry powder on the pie. Well, I thought it was cinnamon. Maybe three aspirins. Is there something really wrong, Ben? Something at the office? I don't want to talk about it yet, Liz. Well, you do look worried, dear. And your resistance has been awfully low. You've had one cold after another. Yeah, I guess so. Then I know just what you need. I guess so. I'll gargle with it after supper. No, not anything like that. You need a vacation. I'm liable to get one. A nice, long one. Oh, will you, Ben? We could go to Mexico. If you fly, you can do it in two weeks easily. Mike and Peg went last year. It'll probably cost... 
Not more than five or six hundred dollars. I know it's extravagant. Liz, you see, the thing I was worried about... Well, that's it. Ben, we wouldn't have a worry in the world. We could just be irresponsible, shoot the works. It's just what you need now, darling. Just what... Liz, we'd better have a little conference. You see, the problem... Oh, no. Oh, my head. Mother, Daddy, dinner is served. We'd better go in. Oh, dear. Ben, I didn't get your aspirin. Never mind. I'll take them with a bicarb chaser after dinner. After a fine dinner of salt eggs and curried apple pie, Liz and I settled down to do the dishes while the kids went off to do homework, and I explained the precipice on which Connolly Hochberg, Marriott, and Burns was balanced. Yes, but what did they quarrel about? I don't know. Neither of them would tell me. Oh, it seems perfectly infantile. I tried to convince both of them to talk it over, but they're both waiting for the other one to make the first move. Looks like they're really going to dissolve that firm. What does that mean for us? Well, I'd never be able to make a connection like that these days. Big firms take on kids, fresh out of school. Could you open your own office? Oh, that takes capital and contact. I haven't got either. Well, how about a corporation legal staff? No, they want experts in tax law or labor law. I'm afraid the best thing to do would be just to go along with Hochberg. I could take up the cello and we could play duet. <laughs> well, that wouldn't be so good financially, would it? I probably wouldn't draw a nickel for the first year. Oh, Ben. I am sorry about that Mexico thing. No, oh, you didn't know. Here, this fork is dirty. It's got mustard on it. You didn't have anything tonight that had mustard in it. I suspected the coffee. Ben, we'll just have to sit down and figure out where we can cut down. Well, it hasn't happened yet. No, of course it hasn't. Connolly and Hogberg can't be so foolish. They'll talk it out. They'll make it up. Oh, I'm sure they will. Foolish to hang crepe in advance probably won't even happen. Of course it won't. You know, if I walk cross town instead of taking the bus, I can save at least a dollar twenty a week. Ben, are you awake? Haven't you been asleep? Wait, wait, just a minute. Ben, what are you doing? Nothing. Go on back to sleep. Uh, did I say 63? Ben, it's 3.30 in the morning. This is no time for mental arithmetic. Liz. Liz, do you know that in one year I spend $73 on haircuts, shoe shines, and razor blades? Ben, you're not going to cut down on haircuts. Oh, I suppose that is foolish. Liz, I've been thinking about the kids. Bound to affect them. Hmm. Well, there's no point in bothering them till it actually happens. I suppose not. Well, go back to sleep. All right. Um, Ben? Mm-hmm? How many bobby pins do you suppose I use in a year? had the full-dress Ways and Means hearing scheduled for the next night. When I got home, Liz met me at the door. Well, anything happened, Ben? Connolly met Hochberg at the water cooler. He did? Well, well. Each one took his pill and went back to his own office. They didn't say a word. 
After dinner, we got out our checkbooks and piled the unpaid bills on the table. Does it look bad, Ben? Car insurance is due next month. My life insurance the month after. All the Christmas bills are in this month's charge account. All adds up to just one thing. What? If we cut out eating and move into Central Park, we may break even. <laughs> I'll get it. Hi, Liz. Ben, it's Mike and Peg. Come on in. Oh, we just dropped by, Liz. We're on our way to the theater. Hi, Ben. Hi. Here, I'll just clear this stuff away. Well, counting all your money, Ben? <laughs> After a fashion. Why didn't you call, Peg? You could have dinner here. Yeah, I'll fix your drink. Uh, we haven't got time, really. Oh, we just came up because I couldn't wait to tell you. Tell us what? Peg, you're not... Oh, of course I'm not. Oh, for goodness sake, Mike, tell them before it gets embarrassing. Ben, I bet you thought I forgot, didn't you? I'll bet that's what you were thinking. No, no, I wasn't. Oh, sure you were. It was over three months ago. It was? Remember I was telling about that friend of mine in the discount house? Uh, I remember something about that. Well, I didn't forget. I got it. Oh. Oh, you got it. Well, that's nice. Nice? Is that all you can say? Nice. Ben, it's 40 off. Well, that's pretty far off. Oh, you bet. They're shipping it straight to your place in Connecticut. Wait a minute. They're shipping what? The freezer, of course. A freezer? Well, you remember, Ben. I told you about this fellow, Arthur Jonas. Oh, no. And you uh, said you'd like to get your hands on a freezer for your place in Connecticut. Well, you got your hands yeah, on but, one. But, Mike, I didn't I, I didn't think you'd remember. I that. wrote it right down in my little book. It's a real buy, Ben. 40% off list price oh. is not to be sneezed at. Well, I, I, I didn't sneeze. They'll uh, bill you direct. What a price. $534. 500 What's it used for? Hockey games? Hockey games? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but that isn't the best part. Liz, this will knock you clear off your feet. Oh, I'm staggering a little now. I arranged with our freezer food plant to stock it. $350 worth of frozen food. It's on its way to Connecticut no, now. Hey, I told you, Mike you'd want a good start. Well, this gave me one, all right. Oh, you'll love the freezer, Liz. You saved so much money, it practically pays for itself. Well, that's good. Now, look, Mike, I appreciate it very much, oh, but I'm in no position... Oh, don't thank me, Ben. It just embarrasses uh, me. Mike, it's quarter after eight, and you know you can get a cab when it's raining. Yeah, well, so long, Liz, no, 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 Mike, wait a minute. The bills... Oh, don't something worry, Ben. I fixed it. They'll mail all the bills direct to you. Bye, Liz. Bye, Ben. Bye. Well, looks like a cold winter. Actually, Liz and I had been avoiding the most obvious step. While skimping on crosstown buses and bobby pins, we'd both studiously neglected to mention the one monster extravagance of the Marriott household. A place in Connecticut. We succeeded in deluding ourselves until the next night when reality caught up with us. Ben, any new developments? Neither of them came in today. Well, maybe they met somewhere. No, I don't think so. Connolly played 18 holes in Westchester, and Hochberg went to hear Segetti at Carnegie Hall. Looks bad. Certainly does. Hi, Mommy. Listen, I've got the most wonderful... Oh, hi, Daddy. Hi. Mommy, I've got the most wonderful idea, and Ellie's mother says it's perfectly all right, so it's just up to you. Is it all right with you? Well, is what all right? You left something out. Did I? Oh, I guess so. Well, I was talking with Ellie at lunch about summers, and I said I wouldn't go to camp this year because, for one thing, I'm too old, and for another thing, we had the house in Connecticut. And then I had the idea. About the house in Connecticut? Sure. Why couldn't we have Ellie there for July at least? 
And maybe August? Well, that's a lovely idea, Emily, but... We went over to Ellie's after school, and her mother says it's fine if it's all right with you. We spend the whole afternoon planning it. Am I old enough to get a driver's license in Connecticut? I'm afraid not, dear. Oh. Well, we'll manage somehow. Liz, don't you think we'd better I go in? I suppose so. We can't avoid it, can we? Emily, about the house... Ellie's parents can't afford sending her somewhere for the summer. She spent all last July and August in the city. Isn't that awful? I can't imagine it. I just die. Emily, darling, we may be selling the house in Connecticut. We've sort of decided not to have a summer place. Daddy, but you can't. I've already invited Ellie. Well, you'll have to explain, dear. I think it's very unilateral of you to do this without consulting me. Look, Emily, your mother and I are still making the decisions in this household. Well, I'm part of the family, too. And if you think I'm going to spend this summer on the subway going to Coney Island, you're crazy. Now, wait a minute, Emily. You, you listen to me. You go watch up for supper, Emily. But that we'll attitude talk is... about uh... this later. Why bother talking to me at all? I don't count. Why, the spoiled brat. It isn't going to be easy. By summer, we may not even have that subway fare to Coney Island. Now, Ben, you're exaggerating. What would happen if we did have to cut so far down? She'd curl up like a potato chip. Suppose Pete couldn't get all those model cars he builds. Suppose Emily didn't have a new sweater every time she's bored with the old one. They've never had to face the problem, Ben. Well, they do now. Liz, we must have made things far too easy for those kids. Do you really think it's that serious? Yes, I do. Lots of families go through things like this. It's happening now in Detroit, other places. But, but the whole family works together. Whatever sacrifices they make, they make together. Emily was right. We didn't discuss it with her. No, you can tell that by her attitude. Maybe we ought to have a serious talk with her about the whole problem. Oh, it's no use, Liz. I, I just don't feel up to it. I think I'll go in and lie down before supper. I went into the bedroom and stretched out in the dark. I was disappointed in Emily. I wanted to tell her that it wouldn't matter, that as long as we stayed a family, as long as we loved each other and understood each other, it wouldn't matter what happened. But I was frightened now that the kids might not understand. And then I suppose I felt a little guilty, as if somehow the whole thing were my fault. I wanted Emily to have the summer in the country. I wanted Pete to have every exorbitant car model he coveted. I began to wonder if our family put too high a value on things. Perhaps the children were a mirror of my own false standards. And I hated that reflection of myself. If they were empty, it was, well, because I'd given them nothing to fill a void. We didn't talk about it that evening. Liz and I watched television with glazed eyes, and I sat through the late, late show, Charlie Chan and the Collegiate Murders. Just because I couldn't face going to bed, lying there, thinking. When I came home the next afternoon from the office, I barely got my hat and coat off when I was mobbed. Daddy, you have to sign these here and here and here. Sign what? What are all these papers? They have to be signed by your parent or guardian in the school. What's going on? New York State Department... What is this? My working papers. Working papers? Liz! Hello, darling. The macaroni casserole will be ready in 15 minutes. What are you doing with working papers, Emily? Well, it's a state law. I know it is, but why you? I got a job at school. Washing bottles and test tubes in a chem lab. It pays 40 cents an hour. 
Well, that's not bad. Liz, what happened? Mom had a talk with us this morning. I told the kids in school we'd probably go on relief. Peter, we're not going on relief. You never can tell. I'm awfully sorry about the house and what I said, Daddy, but... Gee, I didn't know. I know, Emily. I know you didn't. I, I mean, if we're poor, well, that's different. Pete and I figure that a macaroni casserole supper will cost us 18 cents apiece. And I've got the summer all figured out. Bobby Logan's mother would need somebody to help in their cheese store. Daddy, you just sign the papers. Here, here, and over here. Hey, Pop, do you think there's more money in shoe shining or delivering for the drugstore? Pete, I don't think either will be necessary. And if you'll have a look out on the hall table, there's a steak that we can have with that macaroni. A steak? Ben, what happened? Hochberg and Connolly met on neutral territory, the men's washroom. You mean they made up? They had to. Oh. Hochberg's daughter had a baby, and Connolly's youngest son's getting married. They just had to brag to each other. <laughs> Hochberg gave Connolly a cigar, Connolly bought Hochberg a drink, and the whole thing is all over. Oh, Ben. Ben, darling, that's wonderful. <laughs> you mean we're not poor? We won't go on relief. That's right. Come on, let's have a big family celebration. Hooray. Now what's the matter? We had it all figured out to be so brave. And now that's all spoiled. Well, we'll just have to keep our heads up high and suffer through with an adequate income. We certainly <laughs> will. Daddy. Yes? I think I'll keep that lab job. After all, even if we're not going to be poor, there's no reason why I shouldn't take care of my own spending money. After all, I'm a part of the family. Emily, I think that's a wonderful idea. Besides, I'll have an independent income. Darling, I always wanted a woman with an independent income in the family. Oh, Daddy. Come on now. Let's get at that 18-cent macaroni and the $4 steak. <laughs> be back in a moment. In the meantime, let us extend an invitation on behalf of our stars, Jessica Tandy and Hume Cronin, as well as the National Broadcasting Company, to all of you to drop by next week at this time for another half-hour observation and transcription of The Marriage, written by Ernest Canoy, with Denise Alexander, heard as Emily, David Pfeffer as Pete, Peter Capel as Mr. Huckberg, Joseph Curtin as Mike, and Patricia Wheel as Peg. To those of you who have been so generous in writing to either the network or the stars to express your appreciation of the marriage, Jessica Tandy and Hume Cronin extend warm thanks. The Marriage is an NBC Radio Network production directed by Edward King. This is Robert Denton speaking. What is it, dear? I've been thinking. Maybe I should keep that job in Bobby Logan's mother's store. All summer? 
Emily, you don't have to be as independent as that. Oh, it isn't the money. I was thinking with Bobby working there all summer, there might be other advantages. I imagine there would be. Good night, Mommy. Daddy. Good night, Emily. Good night, darling. James Stewart stars in The Six Shooter following the news on the NBC radio network. Thank mm-hmm. you.